Everyone knows the legend behind how Isaac Newton came up with the gravitational theory. He sat under an apple tree and the idea hit him, literally, in the form of an apple. However, there's more to the story. The truth is, at that moment, Newton asked a question based on his observation, and that question helped him and us explain so much of the natural world. Scientists, engineers, entrepreneurs, and artists today engage in similar processes as they create and iterate. And both students and educators alike can benefit from their expertise. Stay tuned as we discuss how to reinvent instruction using the design thinking framework with another uber talented guest joining us for this one. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Coakland, and me, Jenny Labrie. Creativity, problem solving, innovation. These are words that have educators and industry leaders buzzing, but take away all that buzz and you still have skills that society is clamoring to see in our leaders and our workforce, and yet very few know how to instill those skills in others. That is, until teachers began thinking a little bit more like designers and teaching students to do the same, and that's where design thinking comes in. So, it is our intention with this episode to define the key ideas that make up design thinking for all of our listeners, but ultimately to make the case for why engaging students in a process of design is absolutely essential for post-education success. And there is no better way to do this than to pick the brains of one of the most creative people that we know. So we are so pleased to introduce to our listeners the incredible starfish of a human that is Kristen Lajeunesse Roach. She is an art and design teacher. She is also the co-chair of the Illinois Art Association's Design Interest Group, kind of like a subcommittee. And because she is a huge deal, she is the 2019 Illinois Art Educator of the Year. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. We're so oh, excited to hang with you. Today. Yeah, me too. This is this is my absolute pleasure. I'm pumped to be here. So excited. Awesome. So for any of our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with that phrase, design thinking, typically when we do an episode where we've got some things to define, we like to create that common vocabulary. So Kristen, we'll start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about what design thinking that phrase is and what it means for students? Sure. So design thinking, it's threefold. It is a process that designers go through and it's also it's a mindset that when you enter a design that you have this open mindset and you go through this particular process and it's also a belief you have to believe in it for it to work so what is the process of design thinking because i know that there are probably a bunch of different frameworks out there with what i know of design thinking but what process do you use regularly? Sure. So I've adopted the D school. So the Stanford design school model, it has five stages in the process, but it is iterative. So it starts with empathizing. It's human centered design. So what do humans need? Mm -hmm. And then you move into a defined stage where you synthesize those observations and define your problem. Then 
not to play favorites, but I really like this one. So this is this is ideate phase. So you challenge some of the assumptions that you have about a solution. This is where you think outside that proverbial box and you look for some alternative ways to solve it. That's where that innovation comes in. And then the fourth stage in the process is to prototype. Usually like low res, but you just start creating those actual solutions. So they're not in your head anymore. You're putting them out into the world and you're actually creating those. So you're investigating those ideas that you just generated. And then the last one is to test. So test those prototypes, put them in people's hands, put them in their minds, and then you iterate and you redefine those problems afterwards. Now, I think it's also important to mention that Kristen, you have a special place in the Grounded Learners Guild because you are actually with two of your coaches, correct? Uh, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're the reason why design thinking is a course at the high school we all worked at. They were integral to this process and to my proverbial success within it. You know, they were even ones that wrote a letter of recommendation so that I could receive that award. So... I owe a lot to them. It's all about the partnership and you bring so much to the table as a think partner. It's just like glowing example of what reciprocity between teacher and coach can look like because we have learned a ton from you, Kristen. Hence, we just want to share you with the universe. Well, and the things that we have been able to collaborate on and what you have taught me and allowed me to present as learning opportunities and experiences for my students, it's made a huge and deep impact which I know you talk about often. Honestly, mm-hmm. I, I can't say anything differently than Emily, really. The partnership has been awesome. But also, I just think of fangirling every time we get mm. to meet with you because <laughs> it is the highlight of it is the highlight of our day. If we're thinking of our calendar and on our schedule, and when we were meeting, it was like, we get to meet with Laj today. Yay, it's a Laj day. One. It's a good day. It is. Yes. And I share those sentiments eagerly and... I look back at them at some of the most fun times that I have had. I have always said that you have been my best PD. Like the best PD I've ever had was because of my coaching with the two of you. So she's like a walking billboard, Emily. (laughs) I know. I will. (laughs) Whoever, I mean, all of the listeners, I will continue to tell them. I Mm -hmm. know. You're going to be the first one to make me tear up on the air, man. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the assumptions I'm going to make here, because I haven't been your coach, but I have been the outer atmosphere circling this brilliance that happens when the three of you have gotten together. But design thinking brings out that creativity. So being a part of that cyclical process not only impacted you, but also made Jenny and Emily look at things differently because they were working through that process along with you. So it's reciprocal in nature. I'm finding connections as I'm reflecting on those experiences because you know what you two did first was you asked me what I needed. Mm -hmm. You empathized with me. Instead of telling me what I should be doing or assuming that there's something that I am not, you asked me what I needed and then you helped me make that happen. To an end that was innovative that I didn't think it would have been when I was brainstorming it alone. Coaching right? meets design thinking. I'm there are I mean, parallels psh, here. Yeah. Mind yeah. there are big parallels. 
Emily or Jenny, did you want to add anything else to Laja's definition of design thinking and the impact that it may have had on you as coach of someone implementing this practice with students? I think she nailed the actual definition and what the different parts of the loop entail. I'm just thrilled that this idea of connecting the design process to coaching, because it was eye-opening to start thinking so deeply about design thinking and the design process alongside Kristen, because when we would have a lodge day and we would like brain smash about stuff, we really were following that process, but it was just putting a name and stages, because coaching can be an iterative loop too that starts with empathy and ends with a final product that the target that you the teacher is happy with and your students are succeeding from in reverberation and it's so nice to hear that design and coaching are so much more deeply intertwined than I think a lot of people are aware and to just see the light shine on that idea. Well and you too you also helped me bring like standards to it too to bring it into like the educational realm right Mm -hmm. design thinking I think a lot of times we think about business Mm-hmm. which it's yes and it's all of that too but bringing it into the educational world and what would that look like for our high school mm-hmm. and that is a perfect segue to our next topic is why is design thinking an important mind frame for educators but i'm also going to tap and and teachers We've touched on that a little bit with the coaching piece and thinking about the outcomes that you see for your students and you approaching each activity as an opportunity to what worked, what didn't, how could I try things differently next time? You can, as an educator, be re-energized and rethink the way you see your students Mm. not meeting a target. Okay, what can I try now? What may work? What may be more successful? So even and as asking teacher, your students that right, absolutely, <laughs> and they'll tell you, yeah, right, mm-hmm. right, including them in that process. So why is design thinking an important mind frame for both students and educators? Back to the buzzwords, putting them into practice. It is meaningful work because the students are the ones who are identifying the problem because it either exists for them or for somebody that they know so that learning is purely authentic and meaningful and they have the agency and they have empowerment because you didn't tell them what to do they came up with it on their own they found the people to talk to to observe they brainstormed it with others and then they imagined the possibilities so there's a lot of the experimentation in it. There's so much play, meaningful play, again. It teaches them that they have the power, and I don't know if I want to use power, but they have the ability within them to make changes Mm -hmm. in the world that impact others, as opposed to feeling like you don't have that and designing their own futures. They have the skills now because this is a process that doesn't need to just exist within this classroom for this project, right? Mm -hmm. Or for this semester. You can design think everything. I can design think from my closet to the parts of my Subaru I don't like or what's for dinner. You know, I mean, those things, right? I could do that stuff, but we could also do it for like systemic education problems, right? You know, (laughs) like, ah! And it and the 21st century skills, they are integral to this process. Mm-hmm. The communication, the creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, right? And that's convergent thought and divergent thought, and it's optimistic. It's something where, like, you and the students are looking forward to it. 
Kristen, what you just said there that I wanted to reiterate is that idea of providing students with an opportunity to practice and utilize a skill set, a skill set that is going to transcend that class, Mm -hmm. and it is going to stick with them no matter where they go and what they need to do. Not to mention you're foreshadowing some of the gaming we're going to be doing later (laughs) on in in this episode. It's really an important thing to point out that oftentimes we think as educators, especially of adolescents right now, We've got to shift from, I need to instill all this knowledge into them. And we've got to shift that idea and be like, I need to help them with some skills to be successful in the world now. They can tap into anything on the internet. They can find the information, but they need the skills, the life skills, the essential employability skills to help them down the road. And this is just one very important piece to that. And actually, Uh, I wanted to jump in and do the connector thing again, which we often do. We would be remiss if we didn't point out the incredibly important SEL skills, mm -hmm. like those SEL castle competencies that they're bringing in as they develop some of these. When you think about the relationship skills and the relationship building skills that they can bring out through the empathy phase and even just the (laughs) self-management, the social awareness skills, like the more you think about it, the more connections you're going to find because this idea of working through a difficult iterative process in service of others has so many SEL connections as well. We need to be aware of that there's some incredible value there. It checks all the boxes. Yeah, I know. And the more I learned about it, the more I realized those connections. It's There's so many connections, right? And that, to touch on what Emily was saying there about SEL and my experiences right now with this class Collaboration is not easy. It's not always easy. It's not always what we had. (laughs) Yes, it's have. And whenever you're learning, it's really hard and muddy and frustrating Mm -hmm. because you're learning. Like you don't really realize that you just know that like we're up against something here. Like something is happening in this classroom. We've got a diverse group of students, which in the end is going to be our gold, right? That's going to be what makes us so successful. But right now, it's pretty muddy. And it's really hard. And we're learning a lot from each other about how best to work together. So there's that. And then there's just one other thing that I wanted to mention from before. It was Alvin Toffler, this futurist. And he said, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn. Unlearn and then relearn. Mm -hmm. And that I've made connections with this design thinking process too. It's not all about what you know and can do already, but like what's next? I'm going to make a Ted Lasso connection here. Yes. And say that in the words of Danny Rojas, design thinking is life. It's part of you being able to be a successful human person, to be able to approach a problem see the way that it's impacting not only you, but impacting other people, and then work through possible solutions to find the best one. Like design thinking is life. Yes, design (laughs) thinking is life. And it's fun, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) The kids, how much fun do you have? How much joy does it bring back to you? All of it. I mean, but I also designed my life to be this way. I teach art and I teach design to high school kids. Like, Life is really good. It's full of joy. I have a really amazing position and career, but I did that on purpose (laughs) because it is so much fun. What happens to the students' minds is 
the entire point, right? That's to me, I always talk process and product and the product is the kids' minds. It's not their design solution at the end. It's now that they have that capability and they have that self-esteem and confidence that they now can do this in their life for themselves and others. I'm taking notes. <laughs> there is your faces right now. <laughs> because you're totally in love. Like no. we are like, oh my god. There is yeah. literally no better way to put it than that. Just let that section. Are we wrapping the episode that. now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. Good night, everybody. Don't leave me. <laughs> oh no, we've got way more fun stuff to do. So, I think to illustrate how this is such an amazing concept and useful process if people aren't already doing it let's provide an actual example so what does design thinking dt look like in action let's take a game that i think is the worst um <laughs> twister <laughs> i'm gonna make each play that with us <laughs> oh my god are you I think we have to play now. So, yeah, right? so the reason this game is the worst, this here's the empathy. So you all are going to redesign this game so I can play it. Ooh. I had up until probably third grade and maybe even as an adult that I'm embarrassed to say, I have trouble right and left knowing which is which and without having to think about it. So right hand red, left hand blue, I'm like, uh, okay, where's the L on my fingers? I have flexibility issues. Girl, me too on both those things. So maybe we're both in the empathy group. I can't do left and right either. And I'm always like looking at my hands, even when I'm driving, I'll like pop my little finger and thumb up just, just in case. Oh, okay, yeah. but how are we not talking about how awkward being in these positions with other people is? That's not, like, that's not the first well, second thing. What if you're not here yet? Are you colorblind, Veach? No, no, but I'm married to someone. So yeah, colorblind issue. And then, yeah, the fact that you have to touch people that you are not always very comfortable touching and intentionally trying to make people uncomfortable so they fall over. Okay. So in our empathy piece, we've already then defined a couple of problems. There is colorblindness and ability to look at the colors. I'm also hearing we've got difficulties with left and right. I feel ya. Flexibility issues. Now, again, games have to have a challenge. Right. So it can't just be like... Okay, you're standing What's- on the dots. Yay, everyone wins. You know, like there has to be a point. Trophy, yeah. Yes. There has to be something that's hard about it. What is that thing going to be? Otherwise, it's not a game at all. It's literally just yeah. stand here. Yay. So we've what identified we the pain points. We yes. The what other pain points? Are we missing any? Whoa, whoa, wait. I just looked up why it was invented. Oh, no. Oh, huh? no. <laughs> Do we want to... Insights. We need these. Dot, dot, Okay. What part of the loop is that? The insights part. Is that still empathize? Or is that... It is. Yeah. We're doing our research. Research So we do like lit reviews. This is our... This is my lit review part of it. Okay. Toy Inventor, 1964, conceived a shoe polish promotion as a game with a mat on the floor and with people serving as the play pieces. Oh, my gosh. Shoe Shoe polish. Because you have to take your shoes off when you play it. So they could try your shoes while you're playing. Pretzel. Pretzel. What is good about Twister? Like what works there? The idea of 
practicing your left and right isn't the worst. The idea of, especially if we're Improving your flexibility. Oh, yeah. Color identification. Yeah, identifying colors. Mm -hmm. Are we defining right now? I'm trying just for our listeners. Is that where we're at? Kristen, you you We're stating the user needs and their problems. We're synthesizing some observations, right? We've been users of this, so we're trying to put it all together and identify. So what is the core problem? Why is the game no longer popular? COVID. (laughs) 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 Done. My mic fell. (laughs) Sorry. I can actually mic drop. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) Typically, when you empathize, you're going outside of our circle. So we'd be talking to everybody like, what's the thing you hate most Most. about Twister? Okay. I like that. So we'd be asking other people, what do you hate most about Twister? Or even like, what what was your experience like playing Twister? And then just listening to the story. And then identifying the pain points. And then you yourself as the designer saying, oh, okay, can you tell me more about that? Mm -hmm. Right? So... Your husband didn't play it well because why? Oh, because he couldn't identify the, the colors. colors. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you start thinking of hacks for the color. Right. Maybe you start thinking about, well, if you removed color, what's something else that you could right. sub it with? Like I could see, for example, doing patterns. Like mm-hmm. on some games, not only are the colors different, but there's also a pattern. Like there's a chevron shape or there's polka dots or... And when I think color as an art teacher, I start thinking like color mixing. So now Mm -hmm. is this like, could this be color theory of some sort for people that can see color? I like this idea that we have of making the icons different because if we were bringing in the color identification as one of the strong things about Twister, if it became like the recognizance of emotions, that's a skill set that little folks need to develop. And if it became about like color theory, then that's something art students would need. Almost like, you know how there's a million different versions of Monopoly now? Mm -hmm. Just like different twisters to help with the identification and recognizance of different ideas and iconography in those dots. So it's not just Mm -hmm. the colors. And I'm going to make an additional proposal is that mat that you're stepping on has a layer of charcoal in it so you don't have to smell yes. feet. And it lifts up. It gets, it gets sticky it and sweaty. Yeah. Socks. Mm-hmm. But here's where Jenny comes in. Yoga mat. Could it be like poses or yoga oh. or what is it made of? Oh. Right. Love it. So now what we're doing, because I'm trying to name this for the average listener to this particular episode, we identified pain points. But Kristen, typically, do you focus in on one and try and improve it? Or do you do multiple? Because we're like throwing around a lot of ideas when it comes to color. Yeah, we, we, we moved into the ideate phase. Got we it. didn't just define one. Yeah. Okay. Because we did identify that there were multiple problems with it. And we're just not quite certain yet which one we want to solve. And that is okay. Now we're encouraging these wild ideas or, you know, thinking outside the box and what does, does Twister have to come in a box, right? Does it have to have the mat? Is it still Twister? What is it for? Mm -hmm. But then looking for, yeah, just some innovative ways to solve the problem. And through this part, I mean, those wild ideas, especially in classrooms and such, they seem like, oh my God, you know, that's hilarious. That's funny. That could never happen. But that is going to trigger somebody to think about something else, which encourages the next person and the next person. And it's all about getting the ideas out of your mind, even if you're sketchnoting them, if you're drawing them, if you're writing them, if you're talking about them, just getting them out. Mm -hmm. So that springboard, right? Right. And now I can see why you love the ideate phase, as you said in the beginning, that it's your favorite, because there's just so Mm -hmm. much cool conversation that happens, and you really get to see inside people's brains. And it parallels the artistic process here. So when I'm talking to my students about what 
they envision some of their pieces to be or look like, I don't give them the answers. I'm asking them pointed questions, right? Mm -hmm. So that they can help me envision it and then ultimately create it. Mm-hmm. Could it be this? Could it be that? Have you thought of this? What else? If it was another material, which mm-hmm. all of this is. And I often, speaking of materials, there's this responsibility that I do feel designers have right now for sustainable practices, mm-hmm. for equity and inclusion. This is life, remember? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. is life. Yeah. Christian, something you just said spoke very much to me about the equity and inclusion. So I propose that in order for us to continue on the design thinking process that we focus on that lens. So either from the perspective of somebody who physically has difficulty moving in order to play Twister. So how could we make the game more inclusive for someone who can't typically play in an ideal fashion or some of the things we mentioned before, like the matte slips or the color. Does it have to be on the ground and does it have to be a mat? In right. the world of virtual reality now, it right. doesn't. <laughs> Twister VR, Ooh. where you've got an avatar that you get to move. Who tells you you're left from your right? Oh, <laughs> a little I like it. Arrow that says, use this one. So the idea of playing Twister digitally, would it be a little bit fun to make your avatars a little more flexible than typical yes. humans, but not by much? Right. Just so to see, pretzels. So like the pretzels <laughs> so would be a little move. more fun, but they could still feasibly fall if what they're doing is impossible. But there's that iconography identification task in there that makes a little additional challenge and maybe different thought levels of what you have to do to put your pretzel foot in the right place. So where's all the fun like where is all the fun in it because ultimately it's a game right right? and there are probably a lot of laughs and people fall Mm -hmm. right and that's when you lose so how do you win where's the fun how do you know when you've lost the whole poking part (laughs) (laughs) teacher mode yeah love it so one thing i would think is it could be something that is done with some actual vr technology where there are sensors put on the physical body for those that opt for that where they would maybe have to engage with some shapes. So maybe walk back the idea about the pretzel people being like Gumby and (laughs) consider what the capabilities of typical humans could be. But also for those who would choose an avatar, it would be more about the luck of the draw with the spin. If they spin that hard-to-reach icon, that guy is still going to fall. Or what if the spinner now, because we're no longer restricted to the eight-colored wheel... You've got like the earthquake where you shake and then you fall over because of now that you're in the virtual environment. So you've got these hurdles built in Mm -hmm. to the spinner, which would equal the fun. So like in Uno, like getting the bad mm -hmm. cards, kind of like having a couple of challenges in there. And it's COVID friendly. And COVID COVID friendly. friendly. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if we were to sum up all of the points that we had made, and that would be our design that we were mm-hmm. going to propose, then it would be the next phase would be to test it, right? To Yeah, well, prototype it. Oh, you know, what I, does this look like? What's the environment like? What's the virtual environment mm-hmm. like? What's the interface? What's next? Where do we put this? It's the beginning. And it's now after creating that lo-fi prototype, then you give it to people, right? Mm-hmm. You give it to somebody. You give it to uh, Oculus. Multiple people. <laughs> yeah. Say, Oculus, design it for me. Yes. <laughs> and then, so you know, bed. watch them, ask them. Talk about how it works, how it's not working, what they want to see, 
and was it make fun? another prototype <laughs> yeah and go back if they're really not into it then maybe you define it again and mm-hmm. So thank you. That really not only illustrates the process, but it has my wheels spinning. Hasbro, don't come after us. Uh, (laughs) Kristen, clearly we can hear, as you're describing all this, the passion that you have for design thinking. When was your Isaac Newton apple drop light bulb moment for when you really felt like this is the thing that I have been looking for? as a teacher? I don't know that I was looking for it because the fact that I'm still here is kind of mind boggling because it wasn't something that I'm going to go search about design thinking now. But it was really, I mean, truly it was like a referendum was passed at school and STEAM education was coming and there was an A in it and that was me and us. And we wanted to figure out what that was before somebody told us or handed us a binder and told us what to do with that A. So there was a summer studio through the design interest group, the National Art Education Association in Laguna. And my colleague, Matt, and I went. And it was design thinking for a week. And it was the most amazing conglomerate of teachers, of designers, and people really pushing education to this and have been and making it their life's work. And we came with our own design challenge that was part of being a member here. And it was how do we, as the art department, we are traditional visual art department, define and bring our ideas of what STEAM education was and is into our district. And through design thinking it and working with all of these, we'll call them thought partners, for a week, we realized that you have to work with other stakeholders to co-create that solution. And it was, I, I was talking like sweet relief, like, oh, I don't have to come up with all of this by myself or yeah. with just, you know, the two of us in our department. We get to bring it to the table and co-create it. And then we don't have to convince anybody, mm-hmm. which in art, we have had to feel like we do convince others that this is important. But when you go through the process and you come up with a solution with the stakeholders together, their buy-in is already there. Yeah, It's already there because they contributed and they own it too. And that was the moment. So you had this moment, right? Where you're like, ah, oh, this is it. I get it. I know what to do next. What were the hurdles that you had to navigate during this implementation journey? To allow myself to understand that I wasn't leaving anything behind or Mm -hmm. off the table or replacing anything. I was adding. It Mm -hmm. was the yes and. I felt like I may have mourned some of my traditional visual art experiences, and I haven't. But I thought that I would have. So to me, that was a professional hurdle. I don't know if I had faced any until maybe just most recently, like maybe the vision of what I had thought it was going to be and where it was going to be and how it was going to be done, especially for my pilot class. Mm -hmm. It was teaching it in a pandemic. I mean, that was a massive hurdle. Not one I love to talk about all the time, but that was my pilot class was last year. Mm -hmm first semester but man we did it yeah (laughs) design thought it out and figured it out right yeah (laughs) 
creative solutions to wicked problems. That's what we do. So for an educator leader who's feeling really inspired by listening to this episode right now, we like to bring in some hacks or different things that people could use to start making this move towards implementing more design thinking. And this includes Laj, but also Emily and Jenny, what are some quick tips you have to shifting towards design thinking now? The first one that comes to mind for me is it doesn't have to just be in a design thinking class that's created like Laj is talking about, which is so wonderful that leadership was able to say, yes, we believe in this and we want to allow this to actually be a class. However, this can be in so many other spaces and this is not age discriminant either. This can start with the youngins. This authentic type learning and authentic assessments, that transcends any specific class. I think it's fantastic that we have that class, but it can happen in many areas. I would say I'm thinking through the conversations that we've had so far and a couple of key things that I would pluck out were, first of all, the importance of collaborative design. So we talked a lot about coaching and it was like amazing love fest, but also consider the partnerships that exist for you as educator, designer, even designing opportunities for mm-hmm. for this and the importance of utilizing that process of design and applying it to what you're doing, big or small. And this could be very rapid. Typically, it really is a very rapid process. In, in my course, I draw it out for you know a semester but even just asking in any class the students their gripes their dreams their frustrations Mm -hmm. and when we did our lead learner you ask the teachers that teachers what are your gripes what are your dreams what are your frustrations whether it be for a course for a classroom Mm -hmm. and then go through the process with that Right. right. And if it's specific to a content area, you can also tweak the design challenges to be centered around your specific topic or area of interest. So when I was teaching Spanish, and I know this is slightly different, but I think it could apply here, is I was trying to find ways to do genius hour or 20 time and getting kids to find their own authentic audience around a specific thing that they wanted to help improve for that audience where they had to utilize their cultural knowledge and awareness and their language, the stuff that the kids came up with, that was authentic Mm -hmm. and meaningful and engaging for them. And Mm -hmm. it worked in a Spanish classroom as well. It may not have used the design thinking loop that you're talking about, but it had a lot of the same skills that you're talking about and that that can apply. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I would actually say that with this and Jenny, you more or less just tapped on it is consider transferable skills. Even if the design loop or process is in the exact same as things that they're using either in other departments or that they're using in certain schools of design thinking, even consider what those transferable skills are. So like empathy usually is going to be a part of the process. Mm -hmm. That idea of having that engaging authentic audience, the idea of coming up with something so that ideation, like the students weren't just using genius hour to talk to people they were making something creating something Mm -hmm. there was that creative part of it so that Mm -hmm. and i think another thing this is a totally different tip but again i'm reflecting on what we've talked about today and that is utilizing those transferable skills for workplace as well as those ties to sel that we mentioned and put those into your advocacy piece if you're trying to pitch design thinking or more design in the classroom to those who don't understand why you would take the time 
away from, like Jenny said, from content and knowledge to engage them in that skill-based learning, there's things we can tap on for advocating for that. It's the agency part. The beauty and power of design thinking is that the students are in control of where their source information can come from, who and how they acquire that information, what problem they eventually decide that they want Mm -hmm. to try to solve. So if you can find a way to provide your students with more choice, you're making those smaller gains towards that bigger process as a whole. And the students come in with their own passions, their own interests, their own aptitudes, and you will see those show Mm -hmm. up in their solutions because that's them. Right. You see what they value. Mm -hmm. This is what students are doing in my class right now. Mm -hmm. They're interviewing. They just sent out emails to the board and to the upper admin and to the students and to the teachers and finding out more about this particular how might we statement that they're interested in. So it would be amazing to see that across. Even that statement, Kristen, you said right there, how might we is a great little thing that a teacher could work into their practice Mm -hmm. as they're teaching. It's a short little quick, how might we do this? Or how might we do with whatever content they're working on? How might we use the Pythagorean theorem in a real life situation? So even just that tiny little statement or question yep. stem you said right there could be really powerful for someone who wants and to that's what we tomorrow. create those how might we statements and they can evolve they don't have to stay you know the more that you learn about the problem and what you need to do about it last thing i was going to tie in was going to be something that both casey and Kristen mentioned and it even came up during the twister design process that we engaged in is this idea of equity and accessibility. I think that that's going to become a really crucial part of life and education. It already is, and it should be. And I also think that, like you mentioned earlier, being a human in the world, that empathy piece is so crucial and tying it to making the world a more equitable experience and making the world of education a more equitable experience for all people, all stakeholders, all students, bar none. But that's Mm. a big ask when it's looked at in isolation, like how might we make things more equitable? But when you think about design thinking and where this can fit in with the empathy that we have for others and the skill set that we're building out in students. I think that that is a key piece of how we get there. It's just really a matter of tying those ideas together and making things more overt and making Mm -hmm. sure that we're teaching those core skills because those empathy skills and the ability to think through someone else's lens is really going to be a big piece of how we get to a better world for a lot of people that need it. So Kristen, not all of us would have the amazing opportunity to attend that studio experience that you described. But for anyone who's looking to get more information about design thinking and how to implement it in their classrooms, are there any resources that you would recommend? Yeah, two that come to mind. The D School has a K through 12 lab. And I actually made some contact and I get to meet with one of their designers in a week but they have so many resources. They have educators toolboxes. You Mm -hmm. give them your email, you click the button and courses, you know, I print out binders and I go through this. There are so many resources. That's one place to start. And the second is IDEO, 
lot of resources for teachers there too. Bar none, like that's enough for a lifetime right there. Mm -hmm. So now takeaway time. So Kristen, as a guest, you get to choose if you want to share your takeaway first from our conversation. So something that's a little tidbit of info that you've gleaned, or you can go last. Part of my process would probably be to hear everybody else's first. And then to have some time to process and come up with my own. So I will go last. I will go first. Kristen, for me, the biggest takeaway was what you said earlier about the product. At the end of it, you don't have to walk away with a completed or perfect prototype or design. It's the work that your brain did over the course of that experience, those neural synapses that you grew as a result of thinking differently about having the Swiss cheese people poke holes in what your possible ideas were during the test phase. So that to me was a huge mic drop moment where it's like, yes, the product is the student brain growth that occurs Mm -hmm. as a result of this process. So thank you for that. Yeah. For me, it was... Yeah, okay, guilty. I probably just want to talk about Ted Lasso again because I like it <laughs> so much. But the idea that design thinking is life, bringing that idea that design is as big or as small as the situation calls for. It could be something as simple as, hey, this game was really stupid. Let's make it better. It could be, oh, my kid doesn't like this recipe. How do I help them like it? But that opportunities for design to improve our collective experience are everywhere, big and small. We just need to help our students and ourselves engage in that process and know how to do it. Yes, and got to throw that one in there. Got to throw that one in there. So there's so much. How do you pick a takeaway? I guess another one that I could point out that where I felt like my mind was like, bam, was early on in our conversation when we were just making the connections to to DT and coaching. I had never, Mm -hmm. like, that just had not even been in my brain until that point. But then once you started making those connections, It just shows that not everything is tangible. Sometimes Mm -hmm. these products that you're creating, if you will, isn't tangible. A lot of it is that abstract thought, that abstract experience. And coaching is one of those. And it's super important. There's nothing that you can actually have to hold on to like physically, but there's a lot there that also is impactful. As you mentioned, the the impact that design thinking has, the impact that coaching has in the abstract realm is something to notice. I feel like a product of that. I mean, I am a product of that design thinking and your instructional coaching. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to say it as well, but I think a takeaway for me is what you have all done with this podcast. You created this so that you could share not only what you personally have experienced, but what you know about others. That creative endeavor You got it out of your conversations and you created this as a result of what you wanted to educate others and provide opportunities to others for and plant those seeds so that they can then spread them. So I don't know that that's a takeaway. Maybe it's just some gratitude or like kudos. (laughs) We'll take it from you. Thank you. Like, thank you. Mm -hmm. That'll have me floating through the rest of the week. Yes. (laughs) Makes Makes the night. Kudos. All right. So game time. And because our episode has focused very heavily on design thinking and our connection with you, Laj, you have been crowned our game czar. Yes. (laughs) 
that means that the three of us are vying for your approval as we do so in life already. No. And this is a GLG first in that we haven't had a guest get to be a czar. So this is a big deal. Yep. I'm the first czar. You are the first. Are. I'll take czar. it. Yeah. Thank you for the honor. Yep. Let's play. Yep. So the three of us will mm-hmm. respond to these questions and you get to pick your favorite. And that person gets bragging rights and points. Yes. Um, okay. Sometimes we award arbitrary prizes too, if you think of any. Cool. <laughs> so our first question is a MacGyver themed because MacGyver mm. is the king of DT yes. before it was probably known as DT, right? Where you yes. take random objects and make something awesome that solves a problem. So all of us were given a design challenge without knowing what it was. We don't have any idea of what the challenge would be. What's one absolutely essential thing that we would want to have at our disposal? That we're bringing along with us. Bringing along with us. Okay. Who's going first? I clean lodge. I want lodge. All at once now. That's who I want. And it's because it's not, it's because you and I, we get along, but you also think about things differently than I do. So in order for design thinking to really be successful, it has to be done with a think partner and someone who can look at things differently. So I'm saying I want Lash. Oh, I mean, we can't even compete so with that. The box. Yeah, like, yes, <laughs> we're automatically going to lose. Yeah. So I encourage the wild ideas. Right, she does. <laughs> yeah. And it's not brown nosing. I really do feel like that's a really good help. one. That's a- yeah. Yeah, it is good. I almost gave myself a point. <laughs> <laughs> Equal opportunity right, here. Yes. We, the czar says we have to hear right, from everybody right. first. Yeah. And I need. I feel like I need to be like I want Albert Einstein. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. no. All right, I'll go. Uh, I will go. Ahead. go. Mine is going to lose. Mine the first thing too. that came to mind was duct tape. Because you, <laughs> yeah, like, you, yeah. Because I, I'm thinking you could use it in the empathy phase. You could use it in the define phase. You could write on it. You could use it for the ideate phase to create a, a, a space for that. You could make it into things for your prototype phase. That's mm-hmm. where I was going with that. But it still doesn't beat Lush. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm going to lose too because it's not going to beat Lush because nothing does. But... I also would go with, I wanted to have like something to write with on. So I don't have a notebook. Let's have a pen. I'm going to write on the walls. I don't even care. Like I need to record my process. I need to look at where I've been. I need to plan out where I'm going. I need to write down those super important things that come up in that empathy process where somebody says this thing that just goes in my brain. So like I need to be able to record and have... And again, I know this is me and my notes are going to be all over the place, but like I also still need to have them so that I can see what the process has been and figure out when we get it to testing and iterating, like figuring out what parts of the process I need to go back to in my mind. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who wins that one? <sighs> it's okay. I don't like, I don't like being this. I almost told you it's the hardest job. Yeah. Um, man, I mean, I see all of these answers. When I think duct tape, it's funny that you bring that up too, because obviously MacGyver like used it, but also it's a way in the world to identify like bad design if something's duct tape. No, but here it's like what you want to use. And coincidentally enough, Emily, I was thinking like if I were answering this for some reason, paper was my thing because I don't necessarily only write on paper, but like as a sculptor of non-traditional materials, I can make stuff out of it if I need it. 
but I could also also pin. why I wanted so you. pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or a paper clip, right? But I can't lodge like that was her answer. Like, that was so. <laughs> That was so far away from what I would have thought anybody would have answered. I know you're super humble and don't want to pick yourself, but you're like the Swiss Army knife. That is Swiss right. Army That's human. The Trump card, <laughs> right? That's because you can make <laughs> stuff. You can literally make stuff. Unless I have a cricket machine, I'm useless. Yeah, no, I can think about it and make it right. out of like a pen and duct tape. Yeah. So <laughs> I think you need to say yourself. Otherwise, we are overruling the czar. Yeah. Because it was better. <laughs> there will yeah. be a coup. Casey, give yourself a point. Woohoo! Thank you. Which well played. already well did. Well That's already there. <laughs> so this is the immediate reach game. So Emily, I'm going to volley to you to provide the rules of this last game. So... Kristen is going to give us a thing. You need to design thingy. But we have to only use what we can immediately reach in our recording space right now. No one has been allowed to move since this idea hit our script. So we no one has gone off to go get the duct tape, Jenny Libri. So, <laughs> I don't have any. <laughs> or do I? So we have what we have in front of us in our workspace it might be weird and random because we all are houses with small kids in them but let's roll okay your design challenge is to create a musical instrument something that creates sound especially for our listeners i think they'd appreciate Mm -hmm. that (laughs) Mm -hmm. are we doing it collectively or are we doing it as individuals (laughs) Did we just make a, um, a song? Right. Did you guys just come up? Do we start a band? We yes. started a we band. We started a band. Yes. Girl group. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay. I think I got it. Me too. I Let's got see. Mine. I hope it makes noise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So mine is a stapler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. There we Ooh, go. That was good. <laughs> In a similar fashion, in my immediate reach, because I always have a water and a coffee when I start recording, I have two different sized glasses, this one, and then I have the smaller one, this one, and I also have my empty can of LaCroix to use as my mallet so we can... And then I think the tone is going to change. Yeah, (laughs) so there's that. And then I also have a floral vase nearby different sound so nice that's my kind of makeshift chimes i guess Mm -hmm. in this moment Mm -hmm. all right i heard it and here's mine i don't know if it's gonna be as good it's a junk drawer (laughs) (laughs) three three screws a key and whatever these are for sound equipment and let's see how it's oh Oh, and an an audio adapter an audio adapter yeah thank you you are so smart and a metal Pencil sharpener. It's like a maraca. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some percussion. Unfortunately, yeah, it was in a plastic here. cup, so it wasn't as good. <laughs> Casey, your beat got me. <laughs> I like the variety of the sound. Um, and Jenny, it, I'm not going to lie, it was a little, little noise. <laughs> it was like a clanging. <laughs> like, <one>. yeah. <laughs> yes. I need to tune it a little bit. But maybe if we could hear them all together. Oh, okay. Ooh, do it. Mm-hmm. 
Casey's want... gonna win the first CD from our girl band. <laughs> this is the Will Ferrell more oh, cowbell, yeah. more stapler. Yeah, more stapler. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, have we gone first full circle? <laughs> We should not be musicians. <laughs> <laughs> There's another takeaway for you. <laughs> Kristen, thank you Good so, so much Good for joining game. us. This has been awesome. Yeah, I'll be here every Saturday night. This was fun. It was anytime I get the opportunity, um, not only to spend with you three, but to share design thinking, my experiences with my students, their experiences through this, I am happy to do it. It's reinvigorating. It is. It has reinvigorated me and my passion for teaching. Amazing. So before Mm -hmm. we wrap up the episode, Laj, you want to tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and if there's any projects or anything you want to pitch? Yeah, sure. Thanks for that. So I am on Twitter. It's at Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-L-A-J-E-U-N-E-1. So if you are art, design, media educator, I highly encourage you to join the Illinois Art Education Association. Our design interest group has studio chats bi-monthly. So to make some connections there, that's kind of it. And, you know, start, start small. Start with the how might we encourage your students to see through the designer lens. Make the world a better place. Amazing. Amazing. DT is yep. life. So DT is, is life. DT is life. DT so is Emily, life. why don't you do a taste of what's to come? Sounds good. Okay. DT is life, but we are going to move into designing some additional upcoming content for you, our listenership. So we often refer to questioning as the bread and butter for coaches, like such an important technique, asking the right questions, having the right questions. So we're really going to dig in on that questioning process and what makes effective questioning happen. We're looking forward to digging in and hope you'll join us. And that's it for this episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. Many thanks to you for choosing to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teaming. If you'd like to connect with the guild, the power of the PLN continues. You can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter, at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already, or if you're finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review? It helps us to improve our work, allows us to bring you quality and customized content, and assists others in finding our guild as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. Thanks again for joining us. Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next Guild meeting. And in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.